This is the Only in Miami show, sponsored by Morningside Mortgage Corporation of Bay Harbor Island. Tonight's show is hosted by Grant Stern. Find out more about our sponsor at www.morningsidemortgage.com. That's www.morningsidemortgage.com. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And if you're stuck in traffic, and I just heard the report, you probably are, kick those shoes off, relax. We've got a great show planned for you tonight. If you're planning on voting in Miami-Dade County's mayoral election, and I hope that everybody who's listening tonight is planning to vote, we are going to have uh, Raquel Regalado. She is a Miami-Dade County public schools. Uh, she, she's on the board for public schools, and she's running for Miami-Dade County mayor. The election is going to be held this August 30th, and she's going to be on the program with us and taking your questions as well. Uh, during the seven o'clock hour, during the most, uh, the bulk of the seven o'clock hour. So you need to stay tuned for that. We also have Anise Blemmer. He is a Democrat and running for Florida's 38th district Senate seat. It's a Senate seat that has become a hot topic of debate in South Florida. We had Don Festi on the program last week. Uh, he's also a candidate for that seat. And next week we will have candidate Jason Pizzo. But tonight at 8.45 p.m. we'll have Anise Blemmer. He is one of the candidates for Florida's 38th Senate District. And if you've been listening to this program, there is a lot of emphasis on the Florida Senate races because this year every single Senate seat is up for grabs. So uh, we got a great show. I hope that you stay tuned. And this is the part of the program where I get a couple of minutes to speak directly with you, the listening audience about issues of importance that affect us in all of Miami and sometimes beyond. And uh, today, I think we, we're going to talk about Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, you know, I take requests, and it's, it's a subject that I've uh, written a lot about, the Donald Trump campaign, the, the 2016 primary campaigns. And uh, I would like to point out something that I just posted to... Uh, my personal blog, I post it on Twitter, Facebook, and if you're out there, you can check it out on Twitter at Grant Stern. You can go to facebook.com slash Grant Stern and check out these uh, personal blog posts. This one is called Broke, Trump Campaign Begs for Cash, an Emergency Fundraising Email. This is today's uh, story, and it's the truth. Donald Trump's racist presidential campaign is broke, and it's been begging for small amounts of cash from its supporters. This is a campaign that pledged to be self-funding. An email went out saying that they were $100,000 short to place ads this weekend to face off against what promises to be a multi-million dollar barrage of negative advertising launched by Democrat Hillary Clinton and her supporters. Lately, the, the Republicans' campaign became, became bogged down in the spotlight of the general election's media attention blitz this June. Trump's response to a number of criticisms and incidents has, have been arriving several days after devastating political criticisms of his business career. <clears throat> Trump's improvising and fantasias have been, become so disconnected from reality that even the NRA is publicly siding with President Obama 
in a New York Post article published yesterday, which we cannot actually make up. Today, Donald Trump fired his main acolyte and true believer campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski, whose claim to fame was denying a physical incident with a former Breitbart reporter that was later shown on video as having happened. The Wall Street Journal profiled him in a story entitled, Meet the Man That Helps Trump Be Trump. And I say, what does it say when a campaign focused on letting the candidate freelance just fired the guy in charge of that strategy? What does it say for that candidate's chances in a five-month-long general election campaign? Trump just recorded a nine-month-long hate baby of a political reality TV show consisting of Trump being Trump in the Republican primaries. It's a voter program focused on insulting every female voter or minority voter in America, racking up a trophy case of PolitiFact pants on fire designations and losing corporate sponsors like crazy, including Apple Corporation, which pulled out of both funding the Republican Party and the Republican National Convention, even donating technology this year. News reports even say that Arizona is being put into play as new Latino voter registrations surge. And Utah, too, because of the Mitt Romney-led hashtag Never Trump movement in his nominally home state, which will likely be a surprisingly blue state come November. President Obama used a strong fundraising uh, blitz to tip the 2012 general election in his favor by a blitz of ads during the long summer between nominating contests and party conventions, a time when earned media appearances traditionally wane. Clinton is looking like she's going to duplicate the feat and blast the airwaves, defining Trump as the angry man who ran in the primary with his own words. Now that the Republican that other Republicans refer to as Cheeto Jesus is claiming that even the RNC isn't going to go along with his populist campaign of hatred without running any of the aspects of a traditional campaign, and he's going to have to, quote, go it alone. This is something he said this weekend. The orange-faced candidate from New York pledged to maintain political independence by self-funding his campaign, but went crawling to the RNC for help just a few short weeks ago. And just this week, those seven big corporate sponsors reportedly pulled out of funding the RNC convention due to Trump's incendiary lies and packs of violent supporters who were egged on by the strong man's calls at rallies towards xenophobia and retribution. Trump's current funding emergency is being caused by more than the Republican candidate's own actions, his business dealings in the past, and his vicious attacks on the federal judge presiding over his Trump University trial and so many other present expressions by the Republican presidential candidate of his vain nihilism, hatred, and ego. The only true emergency Republicans have today is that their party has been hijacked by the most extreme right-wing fanatics, openly bringing ethnic hatred into politics that neither of America's mainstream parties has seen since the KKK took over Indiana state politics in the 1920s, using then the Republican Party as well as its vehicle to get back into power. It has become clear why people are saying that Americans of conscience have a moral duty to oppose the Republican presidential nomination of Donald Trump. And we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show.
Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and news. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we're back live with Raquel Regalado. She is a candidate for Miami-Dade County Mayor. Raquel, thank you so much for joining us on the program tonight. No, thank you. It's always a pleasure. Oh, yeah. It's been way too long. It's been a little over a year now, right? Yes, last time we spoke, I was actually in Tallahassee, I think, and it was uh, it was the middle of all the many sessions that we had that year, and we were talking about what was going on there with the school board uh, and with some issues that had to do with the county. So you've, you're in the general election campaign, and you're declared. It's official, right? It's official. I'm qualified. The election is August 30th. I turned in uh, my resignation to the school board. My last day at the school board is November 21st, uh, which uh, the reason for that, even though the election is August 30th, is that that is the last day that the current mayor can be in office. It takes a while uh, for the transition. So November 22nd is when the new mayor uh, would take office. So then I get to stay at the school board until the 21st because the rule in the state of Florida is that you cannot hold two elected offices consecutively. So that's why I had to resign. Gotcha. So let's talk about the defining issues in this campaign because there's so many issues that affect people countywide, but what are your top three issues that should define Miami-Dade County's mayoral election in 2016? I think the three issues are transit, which you've talked about, uh, economic development, which you've talked about, and public safety, uh, which we're all talking about, and I think we've talked about in the past. Uh, there's a myriad of other things that make up that, right? So, for example, when we talk about transit, we also need to talk about the port, uh, because the port has an impact on transit. When we talk about economic development, we also need to talk about water and sewer uh, and sea level rise and all those issues, right, and the impact sure. that they have on our economy. So, you know, it, I think with those, if you look at those three issues, you can always spin off into other directions within those three categories. But really, I think that what defines the difference between me and the current mayor, Carlos Jimenez, are these three issues, right? So let's start with public safety. I've been talking about um, our issues of public safety for several years because, as you know, we have a huge issue in Miami-Dade County with juvenile violence, particularly juvenile gun violence. Uh, you know, this this last week, everybody's talking about Orlando and what their positions on gun control is, right? Uh, and sure. it's really unearthed that again, but... We had this exact same conversation right after Sandy Hook. That's and at true. the front line of that was the school boards. Uh, so we've actually been, you know, fending off the NRA agenda in Tallahassee for several years. And one of the things I did last week, which he has refused to do, is ask Carlos Jimenez to take a position on automatic weapons and, and really face uh, the impact that this has on Miami-Dade County uh, and what the county mayor's role is with. Because, you know, we talk about gun shows. Look, one of the biggest gun shows in our county is actually at Tropical Park. Oh, so, wow. You know, as the mayor of the, as the mayor of Miami-Dade County, right, you have to have a conversation about why you're allowing this to happen on county property. So that's number one. We've been talking about our lack of police officers. And, and one of the big issues that I've been trying to explain to people over the last few years is the impact that Carlos Jimenez's decision to disband the special units has had on our community. If you remember, back in 2014, he was being investigated by the Public Corruption Unit for absentee ballot fraud. 
he wanted to eliminate that unit, but he couldn't just eliminate that one. So what he did is he eliminated all the specialty units, and that included the gang intervention unit. So we don't have a gang unit. And when you tell people that, they kind of shake their head like, what do you mean Miami-Dade County doesn't have a gang unit? No, we don't have a gang unit. And two years ago, the school board, you know, we were so desperate in terms of trying to figure this out that we created our own gang unit. We shouldn't have to do that. That's what the county's for. And we've been asking them uh, for years now to really step up and deal with this issue. Their response is, well, we have people that are trained, you know, uh, to deal with gang violence in the homicide unit. I don't want them investigating homicides. I want them preventing homicides. And that's really, you know, at the heart of the difference between me and Carlos Jimenez. Carlos Jimenez is always about the after the fact reaction. I believe that we can be proactive. We've been proactive at the school board. You know, we're constantly battling, you know, these issues, and we need a partner. Well, that's that's unusual that you mentioned. It's unusual that you mentioned that the school board, the school board had to take control of of gang prevention through its own police force instead of the county. Wouldn't you think that the county police force would have a broader reach and mandate? Isn't there some limitations to the the school board? they're, They're not doing it. Yeah, of course, they're, but they're not doing it. And, and and listen, you talk to the police officers there and they'll tell you we're 500 police officers short. We're not investigating crimes. We don't have the ability to take this on. And the strong mayor of Miami-Dade County is the police chief. So if he says no gang unit, no gang unit. Um, you know, Jimenez's response to that when King, when he finally dealt with the issue when King Carter was shot. When King Carter was shot, he shows up at the first crime scene you know, and says, we have a problem with, with gang violence, right? Which we've been saying for a very long time. Uh, and well, he says at the wake, you know, this is never going to happen again. It's, it's already happened more than a dozen times since this happened. So it's important for people to understand that, number one, we need a gang unit. And number two, the, the lack of a specialty robbery unit is also a big issue. Because, so this is how it works. These gangs pay... 12, 13, 14-year-olds, 50 to 65 bucks a night to go through neighborhoods seeing if people leave their cars open. What are they looking for? They're looking for documents uh, so that they can steal. Uh-oh. Did did we lose Miss Regalado? Yeah? Uh-oh. It seems like we lost our, our guest there for a minute. I'm sure she'll call back. She has quite a bit to say uh, about safety in Miami-Dade County, which is what we've been discussing with uh, Miami-Dade County mayoral candidate Raquel Regalado. I'm sure she'll call back in just a minute here. Uh, But I'll tell you what, we're going to take a real short break so she can phone us back. And we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show. on point and a walk is mean the crowd parts like the sea they can look but a touch they can only dream he loves a challenge so he licks his lips he's inspired by her arrogance his first words make her body tense she can't leave cause she feels his strength now she can't help but listen 
she's down to her last defense and she says why you being so persistent he says i speak what i want into existence she never heard a man talk like this never seen somebody so confident driven to the point of death guess what he wants even if it means no With the sweetest taste He left the heart with a warm embrace He took a mind to another place And the effects lasted for days No ordinary love story exists That could illustrate how the spark was lit And why his love gave a spirit a lift The puzzle piece just perfectly fits But with the sunshine came the rain Pouring down great clouds of pain Everything started to change After that he was never the same Still bound to the very end But he left her with the power within All her fears blew away with the wind She was stronger than she'd ever been Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we're back on the line with Raquel Regalado. Raquel, thank you so much for joining us on the program tonight. No, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So we were talking about public safety when we got cut off. We were, and we're here with Raquel Regalado. She is running for Miami-Dade County Mayor, and the election is going to be this August 30th. Raquel, let's pivot and speak about transit, because I think that's on the forefront of everybody's mind at this hour in Miami-Dade County right now, wouldn't you say? Definitely, definitely. And one of the things I've been talking about is all the things we could be doing with our lives if we weren't stuck in transit, right? Uh, but it's important for people to recognize that this didn't happen overnight, right? This has actually been going on for some time, and we need to have some accountability. So beyond saying, you know, it's horrible to really drill down and figure out what happened with the half penny. Here you have a mayor that for five years used the half penny, not, not just for maintenance, which, you know, specifically you weren't supposed to do it, but also for road um, building, not- right? Yeah, right. And well, and did not apply for federal funding because that's the other thing. I mean, I love it when Carl Jimenez says, well, there's no money um, at the at the state level for and at the federal level for transit. But when you look at what happened in Tallahassee and, and at the at, at the federal level, he didn't apply for those funds. So well, we spoke is- with uh, we spoke with Francis Suarez about the newest plan. Uh, it's called the smart plan and give me a moment. I'm going to give out the number. Uh, we have a caller on the line and if anybody wants to call in and ask a question, it's 305-541-2350. Our call in number is 305-541-2350. We are taking your calls. If you have a question for Raquel Regalado, she's running for mayor of Miami-Dade County. So, um, Raquel, what are your, what's your opinion of the smart plan, which proposes to put six high speed 
transit uh, rail, the light rails uh, into Miami-Dade County? Well, this, there's nothing smart about the smart plan. This, the smart plan is an old plan. Uh, the smart plan is the same thing that we were talking about in, uh, in 1982, right? And then later on, uh, in the late 80s, when we started talking about the half penny, everybody understands what these corridors are. Um, and, and I get it. They're, they're trying at the, at the MPO to sort of redo this conversation. But you've got to drill down to what the problem is. And the problem is the inability to secure the funding. So I'm actually coming out with my transit plan next week. We're going to be deconstructing the history of this, right? And I've included okay. the smart plan in there so that people understand what happened to the half penny, where did we go wrong on this, who started shifting that money. Instead of just saying the half penny is a fraud, which is like Carlos Jimenez's favorite thing to say, you know, he is a participant of that fraud. He, as a mayor, has brought budgets that use the half penny for the general fund. So who, you know, who constructed the lie? Well, I mean, you have an administration that has been completely participating in this, and now their answer is, there's no money, here's rapid bus transit. That's not an answer. That's not an answer. Okay, so, uh, yes, I've got a question. Immediately. I've got uh, a question that came in online, and the question is, aren't high taxes and high fees one of the reasons that rents have escalated in Miami-Dade County, and what can be done about that? Like, I think he's talking about high property taxes. Right, 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 right. And, and look, this is important. FIU has just come out with a study about two weeks ago uh, about how this is the only county that has not sort of gotten out of the recession. We're actually worse off today than we were six years ago. And one of the things that we're seeing um, at the county and we've been seeing at the school board for the last four years is that our kids are leaving. Where are they going? They're going to Jacksonville. They're going to Tampa. They're going to Orlando. The number one place to live in the state of Florida is Jacksonville. Why? Because of this issue. How much it costs to live in Miami-Dade County versus how low our wages are. And this is why if you go to my um, website, you can see my economic development plan one of the things that i'm asking the county commission to do is to get rid of the beacon council the beacon council is an old model we need a new model that really looks at rent and also looks at where we're spending our economic development money i think the last time that you and i spoke i had just brought the lawsuit against skyrise one of the reasons that i brought that lawsuit is we shouldn't be investing our economic development money in another tourist trap there's no money in tourist traps uh, the jobs that are created by those tourist traps cannot pay for the rent here. Forty percent of the people who live in Miami-Dade County pay more than 50 percent of what they earn for their rent or for their mortgage. That That's right. That is unsustainable. That's unsustainable. But right now, the last Forbes breakdown of this dynamic puts us more expensive in terms of how much we pay versus how much we earn than New York City. So we are literally the most expensive place to live in the United States, and yet we're not having a conversation about our economic engines and what we can do to change this dynamic. Instead, we have a mayor who keeps dumping money into tourist traps because that is his 1980s mindset, and he thinks that tourism is good. Newsflash, tourism is not good. Tourism does not provide us with high-paying jobs, so we need to stop. We need to stop pouring money into it. If it wants to come on its own, 
then that's perfectly good and fine. But we need to bring different industry here, and we need to participate in that conversation at Tallahassee and Washington. Well, you know, we don't, we've we got don't a caller on the line. We've, we've got a caller on the line who's been very patient, and we're going to bring that caller in. Caller, your name and city, and what's your question for Raquel Regalado? She's running for mayor of Miami-Dade County. Hey, thanks for taking my call. My name is Mark. I went to high school with you, Ms. Regalado, and I think you're doing a great job. Um, let me ask you a question. Go Cavaliers. Yeah, <laughs> apparently uh, Eric Fresson is going to run for your old school board seat. And so what what was your feeling? What can be done about charter schools and how they're just kind of stripping the capital actually, out of the It's actually worse. It's, yeah, it's actually worse than, uh, than Eric Fresson running for my school board seat. What happened in the last few weeks is that um, Carlos Jimenez's sister-in-law is running uh, for my seat. There's still time for other people to run. We'll see who else signs up. But right, Eric the deadline is Friday at noon, June 24th. The Eric's president has supported her, and we'll see what happens with the charters. Obviously, charters, for those of you that know my school board district seat, um, it's been very interesting sort of dealing with the charters because it's a very affluent area. Uh, but it's definitely going to be one of the big issues in the campaign. I was surprised that the governor did not name someone uh, and that they're going to have an election for less than two years. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens on Friday. But obviously there's there's a lot of questions about the charters and how much influence they're going to have um, in the next two years in Tallahassee because now the big push is for construction money um, in Tallahassee. And that's obviously been um, a big fight after the NRA fight. And, and caller, thank you very much for your great question, Mark. I appreciate the phone call. Uh, if you'd like to call in, call Thanks in to at hear from you. 305-541-2350. That's 305-541-2350. We are taking your calls. And I would like to mention that the Miami Herald ran a report in February of this year entitled Rep. Fresen. Uh, Eric Fresen is actually a member of the State House of Representatives in Florida. He's a Republican. His close tie, uh, Rep. Fresen's close ties to charter schools continue to raise questions of conflict. That is actually the title of the article, and I'm going to tweet that out at Grant Stern. If you're in the car and you want to find out a little bit more about that, uh, you can just go on Twitter at Grant Stern. It'll be up there. So uh, we're live with Raquel Regalado. She's running for mayor of Miami-Dade County. Raquel, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I've got another question to follow up on what you were saying about uh, the tourism economy and how Miami needs to diversify. Um, and it's a question about the Miami Wilds project and uh, basically, uh, your position on how to handle the Pine Rocklands, Miami Pine Rocklands, which is the uh, the last natural community forest community uh, of Miami-Dade County left. It's it's out surrounding Metro Zoo. Uh, do you have an opinion on what to do with the Miami Wilds project and the Miami Pine Rocklands? Well, I know that uh, my father and city of Miami have taken an official position. Uh, at the school board, I've been asking for a position. As you know, we own a part of that uh, with the University of Miami. We've been waiting for um, the, the county to, to finally decide what they're going to do with that. I don't think that project is ever going to make it off the ground, honestly. But okay. I think that beyond that, we need to have a serious conversation about preservation. Again, What's the purpose of this? Why are we doing it? Is it even going to function? You know, it was approved before the Mega Mall was approved, which, of course, is going to be direct competition. So there's so many questions about its viability and, and obviously very, very big concerns about the environmental impact of it. So we're going to be talking about that in the next few weeks. 
I think it's important for people to understand, you know, it's more than like a beetle, right? Um, this is our home, and I think that we have a duty to um, to protect it. Now that there's a new president at UM, there's been a shift, so we'll see. But, you know, obviously you know how, uh, I know you've been talking about this, and Al Sunshine has been talking about it too, uh, but there, there's been a shift now with the new president. We're waiting for him to take an official position. Donna Shalita was very stern about her position on this and the value of that property and sort of her desire to not uh, let it be preserved. But the city has taken an official position. I know that there's other municipalities that have, and we're really waiting for the county to decide what they're going to do on their end. Okay. Uh, let's move on to another issue that activists have been especially fervent about. Uh, it is called Parcel B. It's a four-acre yeah. county-owned parcel that sits behind the American Airlines Arena right on the water. And there's been a lot of debate about what to do with Parcel B. Um, the current mayor, uh, Mayor Jimenez, says that he favors uh, honoring the promise that was made to voters in the late 1990s to turn that parcel into a park. Uh, but since then, little to nothing has been done. And the park is administered by the General Services Administration and not the Miami-Dade County Parks Department. So, Raquel, uh, if you were elected, would you pledge to move Parcel B into the Parks Department's uh, owner, administrative ownership? Definitely. I mean, I don't, I don't understand why it's taking so long to resolve this issue. It's such a simple issue. Um, you know, there was a promise made, keep your promises, right? Um, and obviously, there's a lot of questions about the way that it has been used over the last few years. But, you know... Once you once you resolve that legally, and, and my understanding is that there aren't any um, arguments being made as to latches or, you know, inability to use it as a park. In fact, everybody pretty much agrees. It's just that there hasn't been a transfer. So transferred already. Uh, but again, this is more of the same sort of Carlos Jimenez, sit on it. You know, the same thing with the youth fair and FIU. We're just going to sit on it uh, and wait to see what happens. And I think the reason that he's doing that is because, you know, if he wins this election, which I don't think he will, but, you know, then there's no accountability. He can do whatever he wants, you know, for the next four years and, and really take back a lot of these promises that he's made over the years. But it's important, you know, for people to remember that he promised he would do this a few years ago and nothing has happened. It became very, very heated for a moment. And then we just went on to talk about the next thing. And here we are, you know, without a resolution. And I know that there's been a few people that have been very, very active about it. Um, obviously, for years, the county allowed um, the heat to use it. Um, and, you know, you would think that when they reopened the agreement with the heat and gave them the bed tax money, that this would come up, right? This was the perfect moment to have this conversation. Uh, but it didn't. They just agreed, you know, to that reopener. They're doing several things, and everybody just sort of walked away uh, from Parcel B. So, I mean, under my administration, obviously, we're not going to let these things linger for years and years and years. I don't think there's a benefit to it. In fact, you know, one of the things that we've proven at the school board is that there's a huge detriment to it. I mean, people don't trust government. And one of the reasons they don't trust government is because of this type of nonsense. Why does it take so long to make a simple decision? And if you promised people that you were going to do something and you weren't there in power when that promise was made, why is it that you've been at County Hall as mayor for almost six years and you still haven't gotten it done? Alrighty, so I got another question from online here. Uh, the question is uh, to ask you what is your position on the American Dream Mall project that has been proposed for Miami Lakes? 
Uh, the American Dream Mall is proposed to be at the confluence of the Palmetto Expressway, Interstate 75, and the, the Florida's Turnpike. Uh, it's, it's in northwest Miami-Dade County. They estimate that 100,000 trips uh, per year would be added to that area. And there is currently no rail link or mass transit link to that area, although uh, a January uh, article says that Miami-Dade is exploring a rail link to the American Dream (laughs) Mega Mall. Right, right, right. That's a joke. So so one of the, you know, I always tell people what sort of uh, pushed me to make this decision over a year ago was the American Dream Mall uh, for a bunch of different reasons. Obviously, one is the impact that it's going to have on congestion. Two is that it's such an antiquated model and such a bad use of our resources. And three, here we have a mayor who never goes to Tallahassee, who never advocates for us, and he goes up there one time to ask the governor to sell this property below market value as opposed to letting it go to RFP, right? So there was a series of things um, that made this a horrible project, a horrible investment. That being said, the school board owned a leasehold in part of this property, which we actually negotiated for more money than the state got for selling the actual land. So we were able to negotiate a better deal. By the time we were done, we were a little under $10 million for our 25-year leasehold, which was good for the district. Uh, but shows you how much could have been done with this property if you had people at the table who actually were interested, you know, in getting a good deal for residents. So wait a minute, that let me untangle day. this. So sure. the Miami-Dade County School Board actually got paid more money just to give up a lease than the state <laughs> yeah. did for selling the land that you were leasing right. to the developer yeah. of the American Dream Mall project. Yeah. If you look at the square footage, yeah, we got more for our leasehold square footage-wise than they did for their sale of the square footage because they just it was a bad, bad negotiation over there. Uh, that being said, when the uh, when the developer came to the school board so that we would approve this sale of the leasehold, you know, we got the opportunity to speak with him. And one of the things that I asked was, why didn't you secure an easement for rail? And he kind of looked at me like dumbfounded. And, and I said, look, you know, this is an enormous project that's going to have an impact on the surrounding areas. Before you came out with it, why didn't you secure that you had the easements for connectivity? And he said, well, but the county says that they don't have money for rail right now. And I said, yeah, but you're spending, you know, $3 billion on a project. I mean, this is not about right now, right? The county may not have money for it right now, but what happens in five years and 10 years and 15 years, right? And if you were actually building the American Dream Mall, which I think is uh, suspect, I don't know if they're actually going to build what they're saying they're going to build. And if you look at the zoning um, requirements, they could pretty much do whatever they want there because he hasn't really um, been forced to make true concessions beyond job creation. So, you know, if you were actually building this American Dream Mall, wouldn't you want connectivity, you know, to the You mix? would think. Wouldn't you want people to come right from the airport and get dumped in your mega mall? So you can feed them, house them, sell them stuff, and then ship them back to where they came from? Why would you want them driving around Miami-Dade County, right? Stumbling upon all sorts of competition. So it's very peculiar. You know, I I made that criticism, and I put that criticism in writing, um, and, and I really harped on it. And then a week later, the mayor's office came out and said, oh, we're looking at rail. We're looking at what? Do you have the land or you do not have the land? Okay, you know, so did you secure the easement or did you not secure the easement? Stop looking at it and tell me if you were able 
to carve that path. So, so basically, our county uh, let the plan go forward, but without securing a, a rail, like space for a rail link, if we ever want to put one in one day. Right. Like now we'd have to go out and buy land once a project makes the area hotter and more expensive and more difficult to build. And now everybody knows why you're developed. buying the land, right? Sure. Right. Now everybody knows. So they're, so they're going to charge you that extra special government rate, you know, the one that's like four times as much and involves 10 lobbyists. So, <laughs> yeah, that was, a, you know, you, you needed to do that before. And, and again, this is all predictable. And, and, the, and what, I, what I challenge people to consider is how different would our lives be if you had someone at the mayor's office who, before you approved some enormous density increase in an area said okay wait how are people getting in and out of there and how is this going to impact the lives of the people that live here and and that's and that's really at the heart of all these issues right carl jimenez has a tourist centered mentality he thinks that the outsiders are more important than the people that live here and i think the people that live here are more important than the people who visit so I want to have a conversation about how these projects impact our residents, because I'm here to represent our residents. I don't care about tourists. I don't care, you know, about, you know, beautiful people that, you know, live in New York and are here for a few months. You know, I care about our residents. And this is going to have an enormous impact, a negative one on the quality of life of people that live in that area. Uh, and it's going to cause a level of congestion like nothing we've ever seen. So why not put that in front? as your number one issue before you go to Tallahassee and get the guy this sweet deal, right? Say, you know what? You've got to connect it to rail. So let's do this. We've got another question coming in from online. I've got one question to finish. So uh, the question online comes from David Solacosta. He's at David Solacosta on Twitter. And he says, ask Raquel, what's her plan for trash and recycling and your plan for sustainability? We've got about one minute left for this one. All right. So, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about is how we have to change the way that we do things. You know, we should be recycling more and putting less trash in our landfills. We haven't gotten a moment to talk about sea level rise and and all that. But, you know, people should consider that we have landfills. And once you throw that into the equation of sea level rise, you have something really toxic coming up. So we've got to deal with our landfills. Our landfills are already almost at capacity. And the plan at the county is to ship our trash to West Palm, which, number one, is really expensive, and number two, they really don't want it. Um, and then we got to teach people to recycle better and to use products that we can recycle um, and reduce, you know, our trash footprint, if you can put it that well, way. Well, wouldn't it be great um, to have a countywide recycling program for, for all of these of high-rise condos? Because I can tell you right now, having lived in several different high-rise condos, some of them have the equipment, the special trash chutes. Um, but wouldn't it be great if just all of these high rises were kind of mandated well, by the county you, to have uh, recycling? I, I agree with you. I agree with you. But so that you know, Miami-Dade County does not recycle. Miami-Dade County, the government in our, their offices, they have the little blue bins, but they don't have a recycling contract at the moment. They've been fighting about it for two and a half years and they've put it out. But our very own county does not recycle. So wow. how can the county go out and, and ask people to recycle? Meanwhile, the cities are duplicating and, 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 and tripling the amount of recycling that they do, right? And proving that this actually works and educating people on how to do it better while the county lags behind. And I agree with you. There's a big issue, not just with the, um, with 
their condos, but also with the commercial sites uh, and how you know prohibitively expensive it is for those sites to recycle. We should make that a lot easier because we want people to recycle more. You know, it, it is a key to sustainability for us to reduce our waste. And right now we're not doing that. That also ties into Tallahassee and incinerators and solar power and a series of other conversations that are going on there that we don't participate in. But that's what, that's what our future looks like. We have to figure out you know, what we can do with the trash, how we can get rid of it, if we can produce energy from that or not, what makes sense for us to recycle, what we make money on, what we lose money on, and educating people on how to do that. All righty. So it looks like we're just <laughs> out of time. Raquel, thank you so much for joining us on the program tonight. Um, where can our audience find out a little bit more about your campaign for Miami-Dade County Mayor? Uh, the, obviously, we have a website, www.raquelregalado.com. I also have a big social media presence. If you go on our Facebook page, you can see a lot of videos. A lot of content is there. You can also follow me on Twitter. Facebook and Twitter is Raquel Regalado, and Instagram is Raquel A. Regalado. Uh, you can email me if you have any questions. We're putting together a lot of different meet and greets, uh, and obviously we're trying to remind people that this is an August race, not a November race, and how important it is to vote for the Miami-Dade County Mayor, which is, you know, sadly something that most people don't engage in. All righty. Well, Raquel, it's been a pleasure, and we will have the podcast out very soon. And we'll, we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show. Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes, Podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we're back live with Anise Blemmer. Anise is running for Florida Senate in District 38. Anise, thank you so much for joining us on the program tonight. It's a pleasure, Stern. It's a pleasure uh, to be here. Uh, to listen to your show, first of all, it's very interesting. I learned a lot from you. 
every oh, thank year. You. And this time it's really great, yes. So, Anise, tell our audience a little bit about what inspired you to run for Florida Senate in District 38, which covers Miami's Upper East Side from the Edgewater District all the way north up to Aventura and all the way east through the Miami beaches. That's right. And uh, east all the way east I-95. We're talking a half a million uh, constituents, 270,000 voters. I've been in this district for about 30 years, okay, when I moved from Haiti. And uh, I've been working. I have a small business for 25 years working as an accountant, also a financial advisor, and also a real estate broker. Uh, the, the reasons I'm, I'm, I'm running, really, is because I've seen a lack of leadership in our community, in this community, very, very, very lack, very, very weak, because there are certain parts of this uh, district, when you looked at it, there are needs, there are many needs, such as uh, when you look at blight, blighted areas, okay. where a lot of... Uh, mm-hmm, a lot of houses and homes and buildings are, are being abandoned. I believe uh, there should be a voice, someone who can address those issues locally uh, and also statewide. So well, I think how, that's one of the reasons. Another reasons why I ran. Mm-hmm. Well, as a state senator, how can you directly address those issues or concerns? Well, no, number one is uh, we need to see if there is a lack of funding from the state. If there is lack of funding, we can address that. Number two, if there's enough funding, but the funds are not being distributed properly, we can address that. That's why we're going to address those things in uh, town hall meetings. That I can do. And also, I can also request certain uh, uh, reports from the county or the state to see how the funds are being allocated when it comes to the uh, right here, District 38. Okay. Um, So is there a particular issue on the state level and there are so many these days. The state level yes. of government controls, for example, are gun laws. Uh, is there is there a gun law uh, position that you have that you'd like to bring from Miami-Dade County up to Tallahassee as a state legislator? Definitely, definitely. We've seen what's happening. Okay, it's been proven that uh, us or the constituents or the citizens owing guns uh, is is not. A, a solutions for 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 crime. It's not a, a solution for those. Uh, uh, I would say uh, those those uh, rampant uh, killing. It's not a solutions for uh, terrorism. As a matter of fact, there should be more control, gun controls. For example, uh, those people who have issues, mental issues. We have to have a stronger um, ways to 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 screen these people. There, there should be stronger laws to screen individuals. And um, also, when we talk about the Internet, there's a lot of loopholes that we need to, to take care of, to, to look at. There's a, a lot of loopholes where people can really purchase guns, and they shouldn't be purchasing because they're, they're not qualified. They don't have the mental stability to, to own guns. So those things have to be readdressed. I know um, there's se- several uh, laws that, that, came into, to, that went to uh, Tallahassee but no one had uh, really stood up for them, and they've, they've, they've gone away. But right now, we need to readdress those issues where we, we have to eliminate, eliminate, and say it again, loopholes to allow people who can't hold a gun to hold on. That's, that's, that's very important for us here. So I'm going to give out the call-in number, 305-541-2350, 305-541-2350. We will take your questions. We've got about six minutes left on the air. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, so 
Anis, um, tell us about some of your other opportunities for public service in the South Florida community that you take advantage of. Oh, uh, I'm, I've been very strong when it comes to education. Uh, I've helped uh, thousands of people when it come, I was uh, I was a night school educator. I help people when they when we talked about um, ELL, like people with uh, limited language uh, proficiency. Um, with, with people with uh, second, English as a second language, we've helped them a lot. Uh, we're coming now with uh, something called e-literacy. Uh, people who don't know how to read, we're helping them using the computer, uh, uh, typing their names and understanding how uh, to type a letter on the computer and also, of course, um, get them to go on the Internet to, to, to do research and, of course, uh, help them get uh, even an email because as you know those this is important uh, it is very important absolutely it's fact in fact more important to be able to use the computer these days than to just be able to write longhand i would say <laughs> exactly. exactly because when they start and go look for a job they give them a, a computer and they have to do it they have to use it um there are other issues that i'm, I'm so really strong on let's let's talk about let's talk about an issue that raquel regalado brought up she's a school board member on the county level and mm -hmm. she was talking about the influence of charter schools um let's talk about well, this what what can be done to improve our schooling at the state level uh especially when looking into charter schools well it's it may be difficult to eliminate them okay and i, I probably wouldn't go that um route but however whatever is available for the charter school it needs to be available for our school uh, public school we have to say no child left be behind however if we are giving those the charter school the opportunity to be by themselves and do certain programs why can't those programs be available to all of our kids especially in okay. the, in the uh, public school that's my point i don't i don't mind them i wouldn't mind them but Everything that's available to them should be available to this to the to the public school, and that's 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 my point. Well, the state also regulates for-profit colleges. W what's your position on the regulation of for-profit colleges today? Um, it's a group called the CIE, and as uh, many right. listeners might remember, um, there was a famous uh, for-profit college failure. It's called Dade Medical College. And, college. And yeah. <laughs> let me tell you, I didn't take advantage of that, but if I ran, if I had run for District 35, mm -hmm. it's in, uh, ask Brennan, <laughs> yeah. because you know, I did it in 2014, I probably would have uh, really could kick them out of uh, power, but I'm not going there. But my point is, <clears throat> we cannot uh, tolerate what's happening now, where uh, the, the private schools are getting good funding, yet it's the, the system available to, to gauge them or to, uh, to do a benchmark uh, with regards to how the students are being graduated, how the students are finding jobs, how the stud uh, college students are, you know, are, are really getting the education that we are paying for, we taxpayers. I believe that there's a, there's a problem. As a matter of fact, that's why Dade College went, went down the tube. We have several uh, private schools where they have been suspended because they're not uh, they're not getting the to the to the level where they're supposed to. For example, certain uh, nursing schools in our area, a lot of them have been suspended. They, they had to shut down their school in that Miami-Dade Miami County. They had to go all the way to you know other counties. 
and those are documented. Of course, we don't have enough time to talk about the details, but yes, I am I am very, very, very for another uh, another benchmark where we can monitor how those students are being educated and how they're getting um, jobs after uh, leaving leaving the, 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 those, those private schools. Not okay. money has <laughs> so that's basically how I see it. We have to have a, another benchmark. We have to have a way of monitoring those uh, those private schools. So, so Anise, we've got a couple of minutes left, and I just wanted to ask you one last short question. So, what are you doing to further your campaign in the district right now? Because there's a lot of ways to campaign. What are you doing to get the word out about your candidacy for Florida's <laughs> District 38 Senate seat? Uh, I'll tell you one thing. Right now, I, I had to stop uh, canvassing to talk to you. I'm, I'm knocking on doors, just like the old ways. Uh, you know, we, we're getting fundings. Another thing is the fundings. We had a very successful fundraising uh, last week in North Miami. We, we're asking friends and families and also uh, listeners to contribute to our campaign. They can go to votebleemu.com. And also we are doing what we call the mailers because, you know, the, as a state in the state level, you have to use um, the mailers, you know, mailing, uh, send your, you know, like mail pieces all over uh, the district. Of course, we, we do, do do it strategically because of, uh, you know, our funding is limited. We do it strategically. We know who uh, uh, who who is interested about our issues, and also we, we are interested in other people's issues. We, we use that to, to um, send our mail pieces and also... Um, okay. To okay, great. Well, Anise, thank you so much for joining us on the program tonight. Uh, no it's been a pleasure to have you on. Can you tell our audience where they can find you online? Yes, uh, at voteblemur, B-L-E-M-U-R.com. That's voteblemur, B-L-E-M-U-R.com. Anise, yeah. thank you so much for joining us on the program. And that is all the time we have for tonight's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I thank everybody who called in, who tweeted, who sent me text messages, who posted on Facebook and asked questions for Raquel Regalado. I'd like to thank Anise Blemmer for calling into the program. And for full disclosure, he is a former client. Uh, this is something we mentioned on the last program. He did not accept a loan, but he is a client of Morningside Mortgage and myself. And he's a wonderful guy. I hope you check out his website, AniseVoteBlemmer.com. Uh, and we'll be back next Monday night with congressional candidate Democrat Joe Garcia. This is the Only in Miami show. This is the Only in Miami show, sponsored by Morningside Mortgage Corporation of Bay Harbor Islands. Tonight's show is hosted by Grant Stern. Find out more about our sponsor at www.morningsidemortgage.com. That's www.morningsidemortgage.com.